Thank you. It's great to be back. Thanks very much. Um, well, I think you might have got or at least guessed our topic of tonight. Uh, we want to talk about having one vision. And our actual title is going to be Unity versus Uniformity. Because there's a lot of people out there who actually misunderstand uniformity for unity and it's not that at all and uh, what you just saw there in that wonderful uh, very brief uh, clip is what it sounds like when everything is one note <laughs> I think it was so good that it actually sounded very good if you see what I mean because they did it properly but imagine if you were to hear that on its own all the time every day I think we'd soon get very fed up. Anyway, first of all, let me say it's really great to be back. There is no place like Q. Not just home, there is no place like Q. And some of you are so familiar now with what you get that sometimes that can breed a little bit of contempt. But I promise you in the five and a half weeks that we have been away with regular contact with many different churches uh, of different faith persuasions, I can honestly say there is no place like Q. And I want you to actually start to celebrate that because, as I say, familiarity can bring, breed contempt, but you've got something really good going here. Why? Because you're allowed to be yourself. And that is very powerful. And as I say, we're going to talk more about uh, unity as opposed to uniformity. Now, what's really interesting, when I think of the word uniformity I think of uniforms for school do you think about it you know it's either red top with grey bottoms and white shirts or blue tops with grey bottoms and white shirts or black but you know what I mean everybody is the same and uh, there are some good things about uniformity and it was introduced into schools because it made everybody feel that they belonged because they were all the same and it's a lovely idea but there was an also a hidden agenda because it also covered up some things. It covered up things that were lacking, i.e. if you were from a poor background. It was very much keeping everybody the same and it didn't expose the lacks that were going on. And it allowed people not to not arrive in the latest trend fashions because they couldn't afford them. So what it did was keep everybody uh, together. But of course, it's a problem because there is no expression of who you are. You just have to say, yeah, I belong. This is the uniform. But deep inside, you're busting to do something different, to be different. So a few years ago, I preached a message on birds of a feather stick together. And it's often true that when you look around the world, there are flocks of birds. And they are usually all the same type of bird all flying together, all landing in the same tree, all singing the same song. And, uh, you know, it's just how it, how it goes. I don't know whether you've seen just lately the, um, uh, the thing that's been going around on YouTube of the tree uh, that looks just like a tree until all the birds fly out of it. And it's like a twig because there's that many birds in it. But what we realised many years ago is that the truth is that the church doesn't help us when it's wanting everybody to be the same when it's got to be homogenized it's all got to be the same because in fact there's no one person in here who is the same bird we have sparrows in here we have got kookaburras in here we've got vultures in here 
We've got eagles in here and cuckoos. Yeah, that's a good one, Danny. Thank you. We've got cuckoos in here and um, you're all singing a different song and uh, you're all different colours. You all have different habits and I am not kidding you, it makes one hell of a sound and I don't mean a good one. Because you see, when everybody's singing the same tune uh, of a family, it can actually sound quite harmonious. But when you get the squawks and you get the whistles and you get all the sounds, it can be a right mess. And so what happens? Oh, we don't like that. So let's introduce uniformity and get everybody singing the same. But you know what? We lose our individuality. And in the end, we, we get that one note and don't ask me to try and do the other bit instead of the wonderful harmony. So what we're saying tonight is we want, we want a harmony, we don't want homogeny, and we want unity, we don't want uniformity. And I'm sure Anne's going to bring a lot more to enlighten us about that. So uh, Joel was singing at the beginning about one vision. What is the purpose of Q and um, you know we've had five weeks sort of off haven't we doing different things and I hope you've really enjoyed your space and the things that you've done but really at the start of this season we want to really chivy you up to actually get behind the vision of Q because Q without you has no sound we say that regularly but we want to hear that sound even though it might be different and it might be, be, be singing a song that someone else isn't singing. We won't want to hear that. And what is the purpose of Q? We know right from the start, it was to actually be a, a place where people could come to be set free, to be the people that they were meant to be. Not all wearing the same uniform, not all singing the same song, but actually being wonderfully glorious uh, manifestations of God in the earth. Now that is our vision and I would hope that you were able to bring your sound, to bring who you are in the, uh, the focus of bringing that vision uh, to pass. There are a lot of people out there who every day of their lives wake up to fear and it's fear usually because of a religious indoctrination. They are brought up to believe that if they don't please this God out there, that something horrendous is going to be, and especially a fear of the afterlife. What we have is a more beautiful gospel that says, you know what, you are included in an incredible love of, of, of a, a, a being or an energy, whatever you, however you want to interpret God. You are included in that. And whatever journey you're on, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, that love is there to carry you through and to bring you to a place where all is well, even in the, the greatest storm. So we're going to learn tonight that, that this community, and I love that, whoever came up with that deserves an incredible pat on the back. Um, we're going to learn here how to live with one another when we're all very different and squawk. I know you were doing that a few weeks ago, weren't you, in the um, uh, Enneagram. Did you all find out how strange you were? And how really, how does any of us 
get along. Sorry? How strange everyone else is, yeah? It's interesting, but we are not afraid of that at Q. We're actually celebrating it and uh, want to make the, the journey together. So I don't know whether you remember who, who did the um, uh, recorder at school when they did Busy Bee. Do you remember? All one note, and we all thought it was brilliant because we'd learned something. Busy Bee. But then soon we were on to London's Burning. Do you remember? Yeah, come on, let's go back a bit. And when we then get proud of ourselves that we're actually creating a little bit more complex tune and uh, making a sound that people say, ah, I, get, I know that I can sing along. That's what we want to do tonight. So I don't know what's next because I've left me thing down there. But I promise you, please celebrate you. You have got a good thing going here, and I'm not saying that to try and get you to pass our backs. It's just that we have embarked on a road very much less travelled, very much less travelled. And, uh, you know, it isn't for the faint-hearted to go this way, but I want you to actually see the, the positivity and the wonderful vision that we have uh, and get on board with it. So let's move on. Thank you. Oh, can you leave this slide on? Uh, I'd appreciate that. My problem is I've seen the uh, Monty Python version more times than I've seen the real Spartacus. For those of you who don't know how that one pans out, is as soon as the threat of death and persecution comes in, immediately they say, here's Spartacus! <laughs> One of the great sadnesses after 62 years of life and uh, about 61 years and 51 weeks in church and 30 odd years in ministry and 27 years as the senior pastor of this church, I have seen far too often, even in the church community, that when it's the fan, far too many fingers want to point and say, he's Spartacus, because once you stop holding the position of uniformity. We all look the same, we all act the same, we all sing the same, we all sound the same, we all believe the same. Far too many people are willing to point the finger and say, he's Spartacus. Unity is a great idea on paper. It's not such an easy thing to achieve in reality. And... Um, while we've been away, it's been interesting, as Chris said, because during our different visits to, um, to the Salt Lake Valley, we have been in a lot of churches, large and small, as Chris said, of different uh, flavours, different denominations. And in all of the churches that we have visited, two people have said hello to us. Now, that's in churches of a 1,000 and it's in churches of 50 or 60. Two people, and one of those was an accident. <laughs> you know that uncomfortable moment when you do one of these with somebody and you bump into them, and kind of you've got to say something. So recognizing we weren't from there, we managed to get an hello. So one, one hello was deliberate. Now, there's a couple of things I want to say about that. Number one, this place is amazing for that for the friendliness, for the way people are spoken to, for the way people are welcomed, for the number of people who speak to people, and we want to do that even better. Yeah. 
because it's important. I'm very rarely an attendee at church. I'm usually a leader in church. So very rarely do you get to experience what it's like to go to church as a person when you're not speaking or when you're not doing some performance thing. So it was very interesting to see a couple of things. Number one, that websites and reality are very often not the same thing. There are many places that, and I don't mean to sound critical, but, but I've been in this, I have the right to sound a little critical because I want us to measure ourselves by the same measure. Many people are legends on their own website. Many people are inclusive on their own website. Many people are welcoming on their own website, but when you hit the reality, it's the same old, same old, same old of what we call the common narrative, where we have become institutionally religious rather than Jesus impacted. At the center of all that we do and all that we want to achieve is not to preserve a religious position, it's to try and release the spirit, the life, the attitude, the heart of Jesus, who was an incredible, amazing guy. And I'll talk a little bit about his inclusivity a little bit more later on. So what is it that you notice about that picture? Anybody? All the shoes are the same. Now this is actually a card for a church and, and I don't think it was produced with any malice. In fact, I think it was produced with a great heartfelt sense of reaching people. But what that says to me is as long as you wear the same shoes, we invite babies, infants, mums and dads. Can you see that? We, we, we're happy for you to be a different size and even to some degree a different sex, but don't push that one too far either. As long as you wear the same shoes, we're happy. Now, I hate that kind of religion. That's why, as Chris said, we are traveling, we are pursuing and walking a road less traveled because we don't want this to be a place where everybody's welcome as long as you wear the same shoes. As long as you walk the same, think the same, act the same, be the same. Now that poses all kinds of challenges because in the opposite to unity, uniformity is much easier to manage. And also the problem is that uniformity creates judgments. Because if everybody is uniform... Anybody that doesn't fit that mold, doesn't dress that way, doesn't act that way, is not the same orientation. There are immediately judgments because uniformity looks good on the outside, but it's wicked on the inside. We do not live in a uniform world. We live in a diverse world. A world diverse of plants and creatures and, and climates and, and countries and places. One of the things I love about Salt Lake is that on any day, my limited view is about 10 or 11 miles. We can see Salt Lake City from Murray where our apartment is on every single day and we can see the mountains. Here, you're lucky if you can see 50 feet. Everything's low, everything's compact, everything's tight. I think there's a lesson to be learned there because the problem is that when we get tight and close and insular, our vision becomes limited and we can't see far enough to stretch our expectations and to stir the pioneer inside of each one of us. 
a church for everyone, as long as you have the same shoes. So I've said unity as an idea is absolutely amazing, but as a, as a, as a reality, as an outworked truth, it is, it is much more difficult than that. Too often our philosophy of unity and our philosophy of acceptance is, accept me as I am. And that's often as far as our thoughts on unity goes. Accept me as I am. You have to accept me as I am. But what about you accepting me as I am? What about you accepting the person next to you as they are, the person in front of you, the person behind you, the person who's radically different? What about you accepting when people are not saying what you're saying, not saying it how you want to be say, it to be said, not singing what you would like to sing, not singing it in the way you'd like it to be sung? What's the issue then about unity? See, we can all spout these things over and we can all give religious platitudes about being unified and accepting, but acceptance is not about accept me as I am. True acceptance is I accept you as you are and together with our differences, we will make harmony. And when we make harmony, we'll make a beautiful sound because of the harmony. I pulled this quote off... um, off, I think it was on, I can't remember whether it was on a, a, a Facebook post or something, but it says, one aspect of uniformity is demanding another party change. That's what uniformity does. You have to change or I can't accept you. A lot of the gospel, as I understood it, used to be that. You have to change or you don't belong. Or demanding that the other party conform in order to achieve agreement, peace or prosperity. Uniformity does not allow for negotiation or compromise. In contrast, unity values difference. It acknowledges that people have different religions, different cultures, different political views. And here's the key thing I'm going to close with. Uniformity does not require grace. But unity does. And that's why there are more places that are uniformly put together or put together by uniformity. I made up a word there, Jen. More places constructed by uniformity than unity because uniformity doesn't need grace, but unity does. Jesus brought into his circle those who needed grace because he was not creating uniformity. That becomes religious dogma. He was creating unity, which becomes life that changes the world. Awesome. Okay, you can leave that slide up as well while we, uh, while we talk. Uniformity, when you minus two things, leaves you with Unity. The two things you have to take out are interesting. The first one, the most difficult, but very fascinating, is that for unity, you have to take an eye out of uniformity. I really wish I was less self-centered, less self-absorbed, less self-conscious than I am, because I think it would help me and it would also help others and it would help me with others. But the truth is for all of us, humble as we like to think ourselves, the central focus of our thinking on everything 
is I. How will this affect me? What will this do for me? What can I get from this? And the truth is there will be no real unity until we take one of the eyes out of conformity. Now, what is interesting, unlike the uh, film which if you are of a fragile, um, what shall I say, fragile nature, do not watch, called Team America. Don't watch it. If you're, if you're fragile, please don't. I'm not recommending it. I'm just mentioning it. Uh, it's a bit of a, a fun take by the Canadians who wrote South Park about American foreign policy. And one of the American guys said, the difference with America is there's no I in America. Because there is. <laughs> and what I like about this equation is that we only take one I out because... We still have to have identity. We still have to recognize identity. We, we still can't love others unless we learn to love ourselves. And so there has to be some I in there, but, but we have to take the, 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 the ego out and we have to take the intensity of the I. I thought about it this way, that uniformity has two eyes. The problem with two eyes is that that tends to govern everything by what you see, because everything that you see with your two eyes forms your worldview. And then your worldview can be distorted because it's only how you see the world. But you see, unity makes you see the world differently. Unity says you can have one eye, but you have to see the world through the other eye. You have to see your neighbor. You have to love your neighbor. You have to see the diversity. And if you will allow only one eye on yourself, but the other eye to be on others, where something I think is the most incredible statement possibly that I have ever made... is that unless you're prepared to familiarise yourself with a person's story, do not presume yourself qualified to judge their actions. Because everyone's actions, everyone's choices, everyone's behaviour patterns are a result of something in their life. It's a result of something that has happened. It, it's a consequence of their story. Each of us have a story. You have a story. I have a story. Our stories are different. Over the next few weeks after this Wednesday, Chris and I are going to take a week each to talk about, tell me about Jesus, the, I don't know, Jesus. Where Jesus fits. Where Jesus fits. Because some of you think in the context of now our inclusion that Jesus doesn't fit, but you're going to find Chris and I have a very different view of where Jesus fits because our story determines how we see the world and don't judge people unless you're prepared to familiarise yourself with their story. Each of us are the result of a story that didn't begin yesterday. It began when we were born. It worked through our childhood. And the problem is society tries to push us into uniformity and that's why we have no tolerance for one another. So we have to take one eye out of there. I am important, but I'm not all important. We are important. The other thing that it takes out is you have to minus the form. Now, if I could say one sin of the church in my lifetime, it's form. We talk about form and ceremony. Form and ceremony. Form and ceremony. Now, here's what it does. It makes us feel comfortable and safe because our familiarity 
makes us measure what is right and what is wrong. What we are familiar with influences our understanding of right and wrong more than anything else. But you see, we've chosen to go a path where we take the form out. And some will like it and some won't like it. I don't like all of it because I like a bit of form. I have a history. I have a story. There are things about church life that make me feel incredibly secure, but I have to deny myself those things because I realize it's all about me feeling secure and got nothing to do truly with loving the world and changing the world and spreading the good news about Jesus. Even in what we believe the good news to be, we have reduced it to a form and a ceremony that says if you do this, this and this and pray that, that and that, Jesus comes into your heart and you'll go to heaven. We have made a lifestyle into a destination. We've said it's all about avoiding a place called hell and going to a place called heaven. That it's a cosmic battle between a God and a devil because if we create those forms, we find it easier to handle. Life is messy, unity is hard. But we're calling you to unity. We're calling you to go the hard road. We're calling you to do what Jesus did because you see, when Jesus chose his disciples, he didn't go into the nearest synagogue or the nearest temple and pick a bunch of people who were pious and seemed to be upright. He started to pick common people who were diverse and different in society. He picked these fishermen, hard living hard partying fishermen. And then he picked a guy called Matthew. Matthew worked for the Romans through their puppet leader Herod to collect taxes off his own people and he was hated in the community but Jesus loved him and brought him in and touched his life and we had all this diversity. We know about the Blessed Virgin. But what about Mary Magdalene? The description it gives of Mary is that she was a practicing prostitute. What did Jesus do? He said, come in, you're welcome with me. So we don't have the pious family people who are the women that Jesus supports. Yes, they're fine and they're part of it, but he chooses the prostitute as well. He chooses the diversely different. He chooses the sexually troubled. He chooses all kinds of people. And he has this group of people following him who are just diverse. But the one thing they had was not uniformity. It was unity. And out of that unity has come something that even though we have made a mess of so much of this religiously, has changed our world and we are the beneficiaries of what came out of Jesus, including in unity, those who we would have excluded, but he pulled them together and he made them one. And he took the form out of their lives because they were in a formulated society And he helped them to take the eye out of the story. And what they left with was unity that literally changed the world. One verse before I close. This is what Jesus said to all these people stuck in their religion. A new commandment I give you. Now this was massive in in Jewish culture, not as massive to us because we don't hear it the same way, but they were so stuck in God has spoken and we have the commandments and sadly the church is the same way and we've watched the battle in America, we should have the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. One guy wrote, no, what we should have is the Beatitudes in the courthouse, not the Ten Commandments. 
What Jesus said about loving people and reaching people and helping people and changing the world. We don't need the Ten Commandments for society. We need the Beatitudes. If you want to read them, read from Matthew chapter 5. And you'll read these amazing statements that Jesus made. So he didn't say, hey, we've got to get back to the way we were. He said, I'm giving you a new commandment. And it's the only commandment I'm going to give you. This is the only real commandment that Jesus gave in the words of a new commandment. He said, and this is it, that you love one another as I have loved you. In the example that he had given, in the diversity that he pulled together and didn't create uniformity but created unity, he said, I want you to love one another in the same way that I have loved you. That means you're in. Because that's how he loves. Matthew was in. Mary Magdalene was in. Peter was in. They were in because he loved them. The great issue is not whether you're in. The question is, what do you do with your inness? And what we're called to do with our inness is to unify over a purpose that loves our world and loves one another and gets one of the eyes out of the picture and gets the form out of the equation so that what we're left with is a unity that has a possibility to change the world. That's what we're trying to do at Q. That's why we became Q. And I want you to take the challenge today to love one another as Christ has loved you. Because he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Now let me tell you what lots of the world knows. They know what a religious disciple is. They know what a disciple of the church is. They know what a disciple of Methodism, Baptist, Pentecostal, Charismatic, Anglican is. They know what a disciple of those is. That's not the issue. But Jesus didn't say, the world will know you're my disciples because you're a good churchgoer or because you belong to this stream of thought or that stream of thought. He said, one way the world will know that you're my disciples. Now, I have a question. Are you a disciple of the church? Are you a disciple of your religious persuasion? Are you a disciple of your history? Are you a disciple of your upbringing? Are you a disciple of your Christian experience? Or are you a disciple of Jesus? If you're a disciple of Jesus, it demands a different approach to how we do life and how we do church and how we work with one another. And it's called the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we are called to that. Please take part of the eye out of who you are. Take the form out of who you are and who you might want us to be. And what we will be left with is a unity that brings change not only to us, but to every life and to every person we touch. The kingdom of God is not birds of a feather flocked together. The kingdom of God is birds of a different feather flocked together. That's the miracle called the kingdom of God that Jesus came to build and I want you to be part of it. Father, help us to be part of the kingdom of Jesus today, bound together in a spirit of unity because we love one another as you have loved us.